welcome to Joyfully You Podcast. My name is Kelsey Lowe. I'm your host. And today we have a special guest. So today we have Eden Thaler. Eden is a food freedom coach who helps people end emotional eating and stop self-sabotaging so they can spend more time actually living their lives. Eden was a professional ballerina growing up for most of her life, and her relationship with food has evolved more and more and more and more, so much to the point that now she is helping other women do the exact same thing, create freedom with food. So Eden, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be talking with you today. I'm excited too. This is going to be so good. And I think it's just so relevant right now, especially, you know, being (laughs) just, I'm going to consider what's happening in the world right now. Um, It's, it's April, 2020. And a lot of people are inside a lot of, uh, well, everyone should be inside, you know, like that we are right there next to our fridge, next to our cupboards, bored eating is real. Um, And so I'm just, I just want to thank you in advance for for coming on the show and everything you're going to share. Um, could you share with the audience a little bit of your, your background, like your journey of, you know, what that was like and the pressure of, of being a professional dancer at such a young age. Um, can you give us a little insight of what that experience was like? Yeah. So I wonder a lot if it was the ballet that shaped my relationship to food or if my natural tendency towards perfectionism actually brought me into that environment. Um, because as long as I can remember, I have been a very sensitive being. I've been reflecting on this a lot lately. And I think the way I learned to express myself was with my relationship to food. It was something I had control over. It was something I could be really perfectionistic about. And so naturally a career in ballet was like perfect for me because you're staring at yourself in the mirror. Just your job is to criticize yourself basically and constantly seek to improve yourself. And for my ego that was very critical at the time, it was like just thriving because it was always had another thing to pick at or work towards and basically always had another distraction from accepting myself as I was, which I just could not do. So Really, I was in that environment for a long time. I started dancing when I was 11, um, moved away from home at 16, and spent the rest of my high school years dancing full-time, and really just hit a breaking point with my weight because I had been through so many ups and downs of restricting for long periods of time, and then being told I was too thin, so then trying to gain weight, and then being told I was too big, and then putting myself through this cycle, and I really attribute it to my spirit at a certain point, just started screaming at me. It was like, oh my God, like this is so unhealthy. And I, I didn't have my period for a couple of years and it, it just all kind of dawned on me around the age of 18. And I was like, I got to get out of here. And I, I don't know what is wrong. I, I still didn't know how I would heal or what that would look like, but I just knew I couldn't do it in that environment where there were so many toxic influences all the time. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, I think it's like a quote or something. You can't heal in the same environment you got sick in. Yeah. And I, I always thought that it was my fault in that environment. And it, I would describe it to other people as this, like almost abusive relationship where the the other person's hurting you, but you think if I only improve something about myself, or if I just try harder to work on myself and I'm a very, uh, I like self-improvement a lot. I'm always trying to better myself and see my insecurities and work through them. So for a long time, I think that kept me stuck in that environment. And I continued to battle 
with that actually in my romantic relationships in a lot of ways after leaving the ballet world. Cause as you know, like just because you change your environment doesn't necessarily mean you're instantly healed. So yeah, definitely though. I, I couldn't have done it in that environment with so many people, you know, saying to me every day, Oh, you, you look like you used to be hungry and now you're full or, you know, oh, it's God. like, you just don't want it bad enough or yeah. Like just really terrible things. Wow. And I feel like that type, I mean, of course there's mirrors, right? If, if one thing is happening in our life, it's probably happening in other areas. Kind of how you said, like it was showing, things were showing up in relationships and whatever else. And it's really interesting how you mentioned like the ego was thriving, right? Because the ego wants to pick it apart, pick us apart. And if we're in an environment that's constantly reinforcing the a limiting belief that we're not good enough, then it's like, okay, I'm being validated by what I know is true, even if what we know is true is not actually true, you know? So it's really powerful that you did realize, and, and I feel like it always just kind of take like a health scare to wake us up. And I had a similar situation where I had, uh, I, I like put myself in the hospital because I was letting that perfectionistic thing get the best of me to where nothing ever felt enough. And so I was like studying for college and I was smoking cigarettes and I was drinking coffee and I was taking Adderall and then I was taking painkillers to not hurt because I wasn't fucking sleeping. And it was because I was like, no, I can do the 35 hour job and the 18 unit schedule. I can do this, like this, like false superwoman complex, but getting, going to the hospital and being like, oh, you have an ulcer. I'm like, oh, and it was just this huge slapping like slap across the face, wake up call to take care of myself and that I'm not invincible. And so I, I could, I couldn't imagine like how scary that would be being 18 and being like, well, I'm not having my period and I'm causing this. And the people around me are encouraging this. Like that's kind of a mind fuck. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. It's so true. It was such a mind fuck. I remember they told me I was too thin. And so I, that's when I really had the first wake up call call where I went to see a nutritionist, I really started to understand healthy eating and healthy fats and really started putting like really high quality food into my body and gained weight to, to now, like you or I's vision now, looking back, you would be like, that was gaining weight. But to me, and at the time it was finally got my period, like maybe six or eight months after I started doing that. And then they, that was when he told me, you look like you let yourself go now you, you know, it's too much. And I just remember sitting there being like, if this, if, if this getting my period being fertile as a woman, I mean, I was scared. I would never be able to have kids. And that is too much. Like that's, that's it. I can't do it again. Just how I think we, a lot of the time wait for things to become glaringly obvious as the manifestation of like physical disease or imbalance to start paying attention to them. And if we, you know, if I could have known at that time that my emotions and my gut feelings and just instincts were as valid as the manifestation of physical disease that I could have left that situation sooner. So it's just interesting. Yeah. Well, and growing up, right. I mean, that was also one of the, probably the biggest sources of love because of the appreciation and, you know, the, the glory, so to speak of, doing a performance well, you know? And so just like, just like a toxic relationship, there's certain things that feed us enough to stay. And even if the pain, and I feel like we stay until the pain outweighs the, the pleasure. 
Oh my God. Yes. It, it, it totally was. Cause there was part of my ego that would thrive when I did get that role or I did. Other people thought it was so cool that I was a dancer and, but it was like crumbs compared to my life now. Like I didn't know that I could have that type of validation and peace all the time and passion in other ways. So yeah, it, it's definitely that expecting just enough to keep you going on. Yeah. Yeah. Were you ever afraid to walk away from it? You know, like when it came down to that point of realizing like, Hey, okay, this is not serving me. I finally feel healthy and I'm taking care of myself. And by the standards of the dance world, it wasn't enough. Like when you had that realization of, Oh, I can't do this. Like what was going through your mind? Oh my gosh. It was, it was so terrifying because I had no identity, like coming back to self-worth, I still hadn't developed self-worth. So I was walking away from this whole construct that I had put together. Like I see it as like a system that I had put in place in order to continually feed myself that worthiness by my relationship with food, by validation in the dance world, by being critical, dancing eight hours a day, whatever it was. And so I was so afraid because I didn't have an identity outside of that. And I, it's so interesting looking back, comparing it to toxic relationships now, because it really was to this feeling like, will I ever get those highs again? Yeah, the lows are low and this, this is terrible, but will I ever feel that special or that almost like superior in some ways? So it was terrifying, but it was exactly what you said. The pain, it just had outweighed anything I was getting from it. It really felt like my hand was being forced. So even though I was terrified of moving on, I, I went straight to college. So I was 18. I was right on time to kind of like go to college with my class. So I went straight to college and um, just kind of like took a dot. How did you, like, what was that transition of rediscovering yourself? Because I totally get what you're saying of, of like the identity part of like, well, who am I without this? Who am I without this? You know, even whether it be a relationship, a job, like anyone going through change, I think that people forget the reason why change can be so hard, especially huge lifestyle changes is because we are literally leaving an identity behind and recreating a new one. Yeah. And if you don't have a connection to anything other than your external identity, it's like you're being so vulnerable. There's nothing to kind of center yourself. And I think that's the reason why a lot of people turn towards spirituality, self-development, because we're looking for something that is going to be permanent, that's going to be unchanging, that we can rely on. And I think in order to get to that point, sometimes we have to go through a lot of like almost the universe tearing down our house that we built to be like, no, it's not that you could just invest it all this time. And again, build an external identity or get your worth from something outside of yourself. And I think a lot of like life events and, and tragedies or things we don't necessarily want to happen can sometimes pull us towards, yeah, something that's in line and something that is that part of us that is there no matter what happens, like that connection to the universe, spirit, God, whatever you call it. Yeah. It's like the inner wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how was that, uh, for lack of a better word, I'm going to call it rehabilitation. How was like your transition out and you know, starting to heal your relationship with food and your relationship with your body and starting to discover your self-worth. Like, 
Can you walk us through a little bit of what that was like when you first went to college? Yeah. So it was, it was a roller coaster ride. I, I definitely, um, things had been somewhat locked down <laughs> up until that point. And so the first thing that happened was if, you know, using these very limited words, I did let myself go. I stopped caring really about my weight and what I ate. And just, I just kind of let go. It was like, you know, I don't have to be this super skinny weight anymore, like whatever. And so from that point on, it was kind of this roller coaster ride of where I would be gaining weight pretty much out of control. I felt out of control in my relationship with food. And then this like crashing realization that I had gained weight and I would hit this like bottom basically. And then I would go into controlling again. So that went on for like a few years until I finally had like a real bottom where I had gained weight once again, completely unbeknownst to me. Like I, this would happen totally out of my awareness where I would just, it felt like I would wake up one day and realize like I had completely been just out of control with food, like almost on an autopilot animal nature, like binge for like months or however long. And I was like, holy crap, like this is not healthy or sustainable. And I knew in that point that I couldn't, decide to restrict then. I couldn't go back on a diet or start controlling. So I would go back and forth between basically totally out of control in my relationship with food, just eating whatever I wanted, like on autopilot, animalistic, like whatever. <laughs> and then waking up suddenly one day, having gained like 15 pounds. I didn't have a scale, so I don't really know, but it was definitely an amount of weight. And then going back, trying to control it, trying to lose weight, making these like resolves to myself that, you know, I'm going to not eat or whatever. And then until it happened one time and it was just like, it came crashing down and I woke up at that higher weight, like one of the higher weights I had been And I was like, I know that I can't go back to restricting and go on another diet or whatever, because that will just perpetuate this happening. I knew that the only way to stop it was to break the cycle altogether and just completely accept what if this was going to be my weight forever? Can I be happy? Can I accept myself? Can I try and love myself at this highest weight? And I just knew. I just had this knowingness that like I had to do that. It was the only way I would ever be free. It was the only way my sense of self, my self-worth would ever be truly unconditional. So that was kind of a pivotal moment. Do you feel like it was divine intervention that helped you have that realization? Oh, for sure. I, looking back, I, I attribute all of my survival to like a higher power being there because I mean, I tried, I knew I had given all of my personal will power and I had used all of my discipline and I tried like clawing my way to solve the problem on my own. And it was like only through these kind of like my hand being forced, like some higher power altering the course that I would have these revelations. And I, I really attribute that to like something looking over me the whole time. Um, and I was spiritual. I started meditating when I got to college and I always like felt drawn towards having that connection. So it was easy in those moments to kind of like, it, it did, it felt like, it felt like grace hitting me. It was like this surrender and realizing that no matter how hard I personally try, I'm still going to mess up. I, I was not in control of my weight. That was the realization that shattered my ego it was that no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't maintain 
this ideal weight I wanted to have. And so clearly I, by the logic of my brain, I was like, I still have to be like worthy as a person if I can't control this. And I felt that I felt this like compassion from the universe in that moment of like, girl, like I got you. Like it's, it's okay. You can stop. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful. I don't know why I'm getting emotional. I want to cry about it because I feel like that, (laughs) you know, being able to, you, you, okay. You said something a second ago that was just, you know, the fact that it's the divine intervention. Oh, dang it. It's going to come back to me. Um, I lost (laughs) Yeah, but I'll, 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 it'll come back to me. It'll come. It'll come. But wow. Like how powerful that you felt grace hitting you. Like, I think that's what really like makes you want to cry because I think there's a lot of times in life where grace is trying to hit us and we still are putting up the blocks. I can think of how many times, and I feel like the, the grace, the unconditional love, oh, this is what it was. When you said, am I willing to love myself even if nothing changes? And that question, like that's, that question has been an anchor for me. So much so because... I'm similar to you where I love personal development. I want to know that I can better myself. I want to know that I can learn, evolve, change, transform, mold. But grace really does um, change the game because if, we can, if I can have grace for myself, I like to speak like in the I language because it's so easy to be like, if you can, and I'm like, well, I'm talking about myself. Mm-hmm. If I can have grace for myself in the uncontrollable circumstances, that to me is truly like a spiritual surrendering of like, if nothing changes, am I still willing to allow myself to experience the unconditional love that is available to me? That is my natural born right. Um, And so how beautiful that you created that self-acceptance of like, you know, if nothing changes, am I still willing to love myself? Am I still willing to see the worthiness that is me. And, oh, it's just so powerful. Mm, Yes. Uh, It's so powerful. It's so humbling and just brings so much humility to be like, I'm spending all this energy. And this happens to me on the daily, like in a microcosm where I'm trying to force through my day or I'm like feeling really out of connection with with love or, or grace, compassion. And then I just get forced to stop on my tracks by things not going my way or, you know, messing up or having a mistake. And then just this like silent knowingness that's always there. That's always kind of like, girl, you're good. I don't know. And I think like learning to love ourselves, like me learning to love myself, the way that the universe loves me, which sounds super crazy and out there, but it's uh, no, it doesn't. Kind of like <laughs> it sounds like, or it sounds out there, but I think of it like you know, nature is always consistent. Like no matter what we do to Mother Earth, like she will still survive, even if we eradicate our human species off the planet. The Earth will make it. Like she will rejuvenate herself, and I think of. My, I try and be like that to myself. Like I try and love myself that way. Like no matter how crazy I act or how ugly I feel or how, you know, crappy I think that I am, there has to be a part of me that is tethered to that because otherwise like I'll go insane. I love that, uh, that languaging of, of 
being tethered to mother earth and being tethered to that synchronicity that uh, is not in a hurry. Like mother nature is never in a hurry. Mother nature, like nature is not over here being all pissed off that summer was here before it or fall was here before, you know what I mean? Like the seasons are not in competition, but at the same time, nothing's ever in a hurry yet everything gets done. And so I think that is such a beautiful like analogy to allow yourself to be tethered to mother earth. Cause it like, it, it, what a beautiful visualization for like grounding. Yeah. And to trust that, like to trust that I don't have to rush and I don't have to force things to, to be a certain way and they will still end up the way they're supposed to be. And that's exactly how I approached my weight in that moment. It was like, I personally don't like this weight at all. I didn't like it. I didn't like how my stomach was, but I, I just knew. And the universe was just like, trust me, like, just trust that if you love yourself through this, you will emerge on the other side. And that, that other side has nothing to do with you achieving a certain weight. It just has to do with loving yourself. And when you act and you actually tune into that place of self-love and unconditional love and compassion, it changes the way you see the whole world and how you respond to things and the way you act. So it's like, I mean, it's kind of like people talk about manifesting whatever. And like, I think that's what manifesting is. It's, it's all about the energy and the emotion that you are coming from and embodying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like for people, <sighs> the way that I create like a, a segue into this, you know, because if you're feeling super shitty to just kind of say, um, okay, how can I experience grace and self-love right now? For people that are used to being really busy, that aren't familiar with the stillness. And this is why, I mean, you've mentioned meditation. I recommend meditation until the day I die. Um, and I forever, I'm going to commit myself to teaching people how to do it. Um, but creating the visualization of our inner child, Anytime I feel shitty or if I feel like unaccomplished about something or I feel just like I don't want to do what I've committed to doing, like anytime I feel stuck, whatever that like fear is, like I try to really tune into, well, what is it that I'm actually worried about or scared of or resisting? And I imagine like the five-year-old Kelsey and I'm like, okay, if the five-year-old Kelsey was in front of me having a temper tantrum or have, or, or looking in the mirror saying, I'm so ugly or any of these things that I was experiencing as an adult, it just instantly melts my heart. And I think that for anyone that um, is having the self-worth conversation and just not feeling adequate, imagine talking how you would talk to a child. I'm curious if you used any type of like inner child work throughout your process I mean, long story short now, like all of that stuff that you experienced has now led you to coaching other women in creating this food freedom that you've created for yourself. Um, did you ever do like inner child work throughout your process? That is exactly what I did. <laughs> what really? you just described, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every day. I mean, that's what I tell my clients to do. I'm like, Cause I really believe that there's a part of me that is five. Like I am still five in many ways. And that's, Oh, that is a hundred percent how I see it as like the bridge between being really upset or being in fear, anger, sadness is like, you can't just instantly go to self-compassion. And 
that's why I always struggle with like certain affirmations or kind of this, you, your thoughts just create your realities. Like I have to take the bridge of feeling my feelings to get there. And I think tapping into the child is a great way of doing that. That's exactly what I do. I mean, I just take on the voice of my five-year-old child and I'll journal, say out loud. I literally talk as if I am her. And then I talk back to myself as my adult self. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like this dialogue. Yeah. It's like self-parenting. Yeah. Which is, which is all the things that I just needed to hear. I mean, going back to being a very sensitive child and just a big feeler, what empath, whatever you want to call it. Like I had all these feelings and all these huge emotions that I just had no idea I had a process. And if, when I picture my five-year-old child and what she needed to hear in that moment, it's just like, it just clicks. It's like, Oh my God, I love you. I love you so much. Like I'm here for you. I'm, you know, it's okay. Like it's whatever it is. It's okay. Pretty much always. And um, so yeah, it's like that reparenting. I totally, I do that every day. It's amazing. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So what, I mean, how would you guide someone if right now they're struggling, you know, with, with food right now, you know, being home, being quarantined or just in general, like, because of course it's not like things just automatically start happening when we're home. It's just our awareness of them is glaring when we're home and slowing down, you know? So how would you support or guide someone, you know, if they wanted to start that self-love journey, but right now they're just frustrated with, with feeling out of control. I would really encourage them. And I think a lot of us, the self-love types that we need this, we're also generally like not that good at taking care of ourselves and taking that time. And I think that's the first step is establishing like, hey, I'm taking this 15 minutes from whoever's in my house or from work or whatever it is. Maybe that's only five minutes right now. And going into your shower, going into the closet, anywhere in the house, if you have a whole room, that's amazing. And I think starting just to build that trust with yourself by even taking five minutes to sit down and breathe and just ask yourself, how do I feel like putting a hand on the heart? Like there's so many ways to connect, but just broaching the conversation, I think is an amazing first step and setting that boundary of this is something that is of value to me. And therefore I have to consciously make it a thing and you know, say, Hey, I'm taking this time for myself, which I think is hard for a lot of people to do, but I think that's the first step. Yeah. I I agree so much. And, and I think the reason why, like I try to always think back to myself before I created a meditation practice and before I did and like mindfulness and stuff, I just was like, I got too many things to do. This isn't, I didn't see the value of it in my time and I felt inadequate by doing it. And so the perfectionistic high achiever in me is like, Oh, I'm not good at that check done out of my life. I'm only going to do things I'm good at because it feels this good feeling, feeling in my ego. Um, so I love that suggestion. And I, I, cause really what you're talking about is mindfulness of slowing down and becoming aware in the present moment. Um, so I love that. I love that as, so I feel like if we can create starting even just five minutes a day of that time, whether it be in the shower or in your room or Anything that is separated for any time we're separated from our cell phones, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and really doing it. Like, I think 
that concept is almost overly simple to someone's brain, especially a high achiever. Like for me, I thought I could think my way through all these realizations. And once I understood intellectually, oh, I need space or I just need love. I thought I could skip actually practicing it. So really like doing it for five minutes, like sitting down, breathing, putting a hand on your heart and asking yourself how I feel like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's so funny. It does feel, and I think that was my resistance too. It just felt overly simple that like, could it really have, could five minutes really have that big of an impact? And it's like, the answer is yes, (laughs) because in the stillness, we find God in the stillness, we connect to mother nature, to universe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, it opens the window. I think the window into the reality where I am free and I am whole. Cause the truth is for me, at least like, I know that that's happening all the time in the background, that the universe God is waiting, is just waiting for me to recognize it and, and connect with it and allow it to flow through me and flow through my life and work in my life. And it's, I just have to allow that. And so opening that space, you know, almost creating a structure around a conscious space and a place in your house, it opens the doorway towards that infiltrating itself into your whole life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you support people now with their relationship with, okay, wait, back up. I wanted to ask one more question. Did you ever get triggered from social media during like your healing process with food? Yeah. So I was a hundred percent triggered by social media. And there is a time where I pretty much just unfollowed everyone because I just had to stand up for myself and realize that that was not serving me. And it was another way that I was abusing myself and taking in like toxic information that was really just affirming my own inner critic. So yeah, I had to silence everything and there have been periods where I've deleted social media and just had a really, a really rough relationship with it. But I think letting, letting self-love, letting intuition kind of guide how I interact on the platform. And sometimes that means being like, girl, get off. Like you've had enough, like stop looking at this. Why are you looking at this? Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, I, I really filter what I take in on social media because it's just, oh, like it will send me to a place even still. I'm, I'm very careful with that. Yeah. No, I, I am too. I don't follow a lot of people that do similar things that I do because it'll mess with my voice. Um, and at the same time, like I know it, and I love that you pointed out that you filtered and continue to filter what is in your space. Cause I think it's easy to, to just allow anything in, or it's like, Oh, I've always followed this person without actually. And like, that's, I think it brings back to the importance of that five minutes of, of mindfulness of how am I feeling is realizing that there are certain accounts that don't make us feel good. And so it's completely 100% our responsibility to filter what those influences are that are coming in. And it's like, if the influence that's coming in is not empowering us or not making us feel good, then why are we going back to it? Yeah, exactly. Just like, I mean, I try and look at everything as food, whether we're feeding media to our brain and social media to our consciousness or physical food to our body. It's all, we're taking it in. And I really believe that the like energy and vibes, I know it sounds out there, but that we consume really shapes us. 
So I just take that seri- extremely seriously with the movies that I watch, the social media that, that I take in, because you know, if you're a sensitive being, I know I am like, I'm a huge feeler. I I need to process. So I just can't even risk it because (laughs) one, one toxic thing, one post that sends me off will ruin my whole day, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very strict about what I watch too. And like, I, I don't watch scary movies and all this stuff because I do feel like sometimes like my crown chakra, like is my third eye is wide open. And so I am very sensitive. I'm, I'm able to like soak in the energy around me and also just kind of pick things up. And so it's like knowing that sensitivity does create a different level of responsibility. And I think that once uh, it was easy to cut things out actually, because it's like, Oh, you feel better. And the better you feel, the better you feel. And then the better you feel. And it just, it's easy to start to repel these different things you don't want. But I feel like at the same time in the reverse, like don't feel good. And then you don't feel good. And then you don't feel good. And then you don't feel good. You know, like it can, the momentum can go either way. And I feel like social media is a huge like engine that determines which way we go. Yes. And it can be either because there are so many positive people out there on social media who I can tune into a live and, you know, get more in touch with my soul and more feel better and better. Or I can tune into things that are really bringing me down and start to feel worse and worse. And I love that you said that about, you know, you start to feel better and you start to feel better and you start to feel better. And I think the same goes for your relationship to food and taking that space. Because when I started to feel and I started to love myself, what happened was I started to realize how terrible I felt when I ate a whole bag of chips. I started to realize like, that that didn't feel loving at all. Like it felt worse to do it, like you're saying, than to not. And so developing that level of presence with yourself, I think is the key because once you're in a relationship, of a loving relationship with yourself, which like literally it is, it's an intimate relationship with yourself, you're not going to do things that make you feel bad. So yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't watch scary movies either. And people laugh at me for that, but I'm like, no, because I will then be in the consciousness, like the, the energy of that movie for like 48 hours. Like it just gets me too. Me. It gets into my yes. dreams. I'm like looking behind my, behind my, my shoulder when I'm in the bathroom and there's like four inches of wall behind me. <laughs> yeah. Like it's so real. Oh my God. I've never heard someone else who does that. Girl, I mean, the sensitive souls, they, they find each other. Right. I mean, and you guys listening, like me and Eden found each, you found me on Instagram. And then I love it. Like reached out, conversation started. Um, it, it just goes to show that, yes, there are positive things that are available to us everywhere and polarity as it, as it goes, you know, the yin and the yang, there's going to be the, the there's going to be other stuff that, and, and instead of even looking at it as positive and negative, it's more of, is this serving me or is this not serving me? And being able to have the discernment of what resonates with our soul and what doesn't, because my little sister, she can sit and watch scary movies till the sun comes up, not phased at all. And that's okay. It's like no judgment. She knows her and maybe later that'll change or whatever. But, um, I think it all comes down to that, that, the awareness that we have with ourselves. Oh, and there's something else that you said of like, oh shit, I don't feel good when I eat this big old bag of chips. This is my theory is that as humans, 
we are so strong and we are so good at putting up with suffering. And I mean, think about a woman having a baby, like that level of physical pain that we, our bodies are capable of experiencing because we do experience them. And so it's easy. What I noticed for myself, like even when I used to like kind of be addicted to like painkillers and like things here and there is I got comfortable feeling like shit. So in my consciousness, I didn't realize how much better I possibly could feel because feeling like shit became the normal. Yes. Yes. And our, we are so good at living like that. Like I, that's why I look at my past self and I'm just like warrior girl, like, wow, (laughs) what you got through in such a compromised state of nervous system and like not awakened, like not feeling anything like proud of you. Like, thank you for getting me here. You know, like, yeah, take all the time you need to process your feelings because (laughs) yeah, we're so resilient. But yeah, once that starts to come online of like, I'm feeling really in touch with how I feel because I have this checkpoint every day. I want to keep feeling good. I want to keep doing things that make me feel more positive and and bolster Mm -hmm. that like genuine self rather than like eating this thing of ice cream, like literally just brought me way back down. Were you ever, did you ever feel like unpatient with your healing process? You know, of like, Oh, is, is, am I feeling good fast enough? I don't know if that's what makes sense, but you know, like when when you can start to see the vision for where you want to go, being a high achiever, knowing that you're like, okay, I have the work ethic to do anything. Um, was it hard to trust the process? Oh, hell to the yes. Like every day still, because I, and I actually had an awakening again on my spiritual path where I realized I was completely perfectionisting the spiritual growth path. It just had made it another way of like trying to be the best and high achieving. And I had to come back to the realization that it is, it's simple. Like it's, it's honestly just a few things I do every day now that keep me on the path. And then knowing that that is enough and the rest, like the universe is taken care of. And cause yeah, I'm impatient. That's my nature. I want it to go fast and I want to understand. I feel like that's my biggest thing I have to overcome is like, I consume so much information and I love to learn and I love to know things. And I had to realize that knowing is not the same as practicing. And for me, that practice is really like a surrender practice of, of grace because I have to just be patient and let like God do his thing, you know? Yeah. 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 And that's like the releasing of control in certain ways. Yeah. Like showing up every day to do my part and sit down and make sure like I'm opening that channel to the universe, but then the rest is a surrender. Oh, I love how you, yeah, absolutely. Cause it's like, I do think that it, it's up to us to create that responsibility with spirit, with God, with mother nature. And I believe that prayer is asking and meditation is receiving. And so if we're, if, if we're on a path of wanting to trust the universe, but we're not sitting down to have that date with God, which is just a moment of stillness, which is anything that, in my opinion, I feel like mindfulness because of the fact that our cell phones are like air now that we like need them to breathe, so to speak. I feel like mindfulness and connection to God can happen anytime 
we put our cell phones down and, and, and have that dedicated time. But even if it's that five minutes of right now, I'm going in right now, I'm consulting within, I'm going to let my own guidance, like guide me, (laughs) my internal compass guide me. Um, And I think that's when the self-trust really starts to be created when we can forgive ourselves for what we didn't know and trust ourselves with what we now know. Mm, That is so beautiful. I love the metaphor of meditation as receiving and prayer as asking. And those are both essential for me too, because yeah, I also see it as kind of feminine and masculine. I love, I agree about the cell phones. That's, I never thought of it that way, but that's so true. Like that happens for me when I go in the shower. Cause I'm like, I'm in the shower. There's nothing I can do. And I, it's such a wonderful moment to connect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like when we're with ourselves in those moments. So what's your relationship with food now? You know, I mean, like if you want ice cream, do you let yourself have it or are you, you know, because when I think yeah. about like, what does that dynamic look like now? Like what's the dynamic that you are helping teach people to, to ad- adopt? Yeah, it's, so now, yeah, it, there are no rules. There's no food to me that is good or bad. Like last night we ate hamburgers and the night before that we ate milkshakes and I don't see any food as good or bad. Um, and that was really hard to achieve because, you know, I know a lot about food and health and nutrition, but I think that's freedom to me. Freedom is being able to put any food in front of me, whether it's my favorite food, you know, chocolate cake, or whether it's a plate of salad. And when I feel full, when I feel like, you know, I'm content being able to stop and being like literally free, it doesn't matter what I do today is like, Today and tomorrow will be a new day. There's no like negotiation around, okay, this was a bad week. So next week I'm going to eat this many calories or I need to eat a salad all day. It all just, it comes back to that present moment of being present with myself and um, giving myself food as a loving act. Mm, Yeah. Like allowing food to be, to be our fuel, not our punishment. (laughs) Yeah, our fuel and and have it be enjoyable too cuz I love eating. I love food. I love delicious food and it used to not be even though I was eating food that I quote unquote liked, I would rush through it and it would it wouldn't even be enjoyable. So now if I'm eating ice cream or I'm eating french fries, it's like let me really tune in. And when I tune in, I inherently just stop when I'm full or if a food makes me feel, you know, my stomach hurt because it's really unhealthy. It just happens naturally. I don't have to control that. I don't have to enforce my will in that relationship. Mm, That's so awesome. It's like the internal, do you think that it's the internal work of like you connecting to your own spirit and your own soul um, that that kind of naturally happens because of the contentment you're feeling in other areas of life? Yeah, I think I think from developing presence by developing awareness and by developing emotional intimacy because I really believe that what fuels our relationship to food is stored emotion and either feeling numbed out or feeling using food as a way to cope with stress or sadness. So when we have an emotion processing practice, those emotions get released, so to speak. So there's nothing to hide from or to suppress with food like that attachment goes away if that makes sense so it's kind of like yeah yeah like doing that 
inner work so that food becomes just another thing because we use food to either feel a certain way or to avoid feeling something that we're feeling. So if we just start feeling (laughs) normally like processing, which most of us have never been taught, we actually don't know how to do it. That need to use food as a way of coping just dissolves. Mm. Wow. That's powerful. And I believe that 100% because it's like, okay, if food is a tool to avoid emotions and if you're simultaneously helping people create, I think you called it an emotional processing, you know, some type an emotional processing, um, like anchor or tool, you know, whether it be that five minutes of meditation, whether it be journaling, um, that's so, that's so powerful. I'm, I'm so, uh, happy to hear that this is what your career is dedicated towards. Like how freaking cool because emotional eating. I mean, I can think back of so many different times where I was stressed out or grieving and I was like, eating was like my job. I'm like, my name's Kelsey. I'm just here on this planet to eat. Like that was like how I was living (laughs) my life. And it was, it was directly related to emotional trauma It was directly related to sadness, to me wanting to feel something because I felt so numb and I was so hurt. And, you know, it's like, as like the emotions heal, as I allow myself to grieve and cry and be angry and give myself permission, not that anything's good, bad, right or wrong. It's almost like the food thing, just like you said, it like just dissolves. And of course, like, it doesn't mean we don't fucking eat, but it's just the things that we want. Like I, I tell people that um, I'm not vegan or anything. I eat pretty much anything, but majority of the time my body craves whole foods, but I really like to honor whatever my body's craving, you know, what sounds good, like truly what sounds good. And I feel like if we're not in a state of self-deprecation, then we often want things that will in turn make us feel good. Yeah. And having that channel to self, because for so long, I could have not have imagined knowing what I wanted in any given moment, not just with food, but in my life. Like I had no idea what my true desires were, who I truly was. And only by developing that relationship with myself of stillness, presence, awareness, emotional intimacy, like that inner child's work. Now I know myself and I can tune in to my body and not only how I feel physically, but like my emotional state. And like you're saying, when you're coming from that place, you, you want things that are healthy and nourishing for you naturally. I mean, it just, it just happens. So yeah, like that's Mm -hmm. beautiful to hear your story with it. And like basically, I'm doing with people is just trying to go about it. You know, for me, I figured this out over years, trial and error and banging my head against the wall and like suffering. And so taking people through that in a more like direct way. Yeah. That's really cool. Cause you're like, Hey, I found what works and what doesn't <laughs> let me show <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. Like don't go through hell and back for five more years trying to like figure this out. Like, cause there are tools and techniques we can use to, like learn how to build. I think of it as building an infrastructure within yourself to be able to process emotion healthily, to be able to tap in, be present. And it's like this infrastructure around your inner child and around what you need and how to express that and what you feel and how to communicate that. And it's like 
being sensitive beings, we have to build like a very tight fortress sometimes. Like in addition to being vulnerable, we have to have those strong boundaries. And so a lot of the work work is, is that too. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree that it needs to be. I love that visual of a fortress because for a long time, the thing I struggled with was I didn't know what I wanted because I was so in tune of what other people thought I should want or what society was saying or what this like external idea of success was like. And so traveling, uh, solo traveling is really what helped me to find what I want, even coming down to being at the airport and being so frustrated. Cause I'm like, what do I actually want to eat? I don't even know what I want to eat because I was so used to people pleasing and, and going with the flow of what other people wanted. And then all of a sudden when it was just me, myself and I, I'm like, well, fuck, I have to now really ask myself, what do I want? You don't have to think about anyone else. And like this caring, nurturing, giving side of me, um, I had to learn how to use that to my advantage, not to my hindrance. (laughs) Yeah. And direct it onto yourself. Like, Oh, that was, that was similar for me after I left the ballet world, it turned into like always being in a relationship. So I still never got to uncover what I wanted until I was like really rejected and felt like I had my heart broken. And that's when I started to finally be like, okay, Mm -hmm. like what, what's going on here? Like, who am I? Like, I obviously I was doing the work all along, but in that radical way, and it's a, it's a bold and courageous act to tune into yourself. And because you're going to discover what you want. And once you discover who you are and what you want, you're going to have to go for it in the world. You're going to have to say no to things. You're going to have to put yourself out there. And that's scary because it's just you like being your own advocate. And so you have to be vulnerable. So I really think of it as a bold and courageous act, especially being a people pleaser, where a lot of the times it's going to mean like, I had to learn how to say no. And I had to learn how to say, no, I want to eat this, not that. Or, you know, I need time and space right now, or I'm not watching that movie. I need to go to sleep by 1030 (laughs) and like setting those boundaries. And like, that's scary. I think I avoided that for a long time because I was so used to taking care of people and, um, getting a sense of validation in that way too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like releasing the need to be needed. Yes. In certain ways. Well, and that's, uh, yeah. And that like brings us full circle as to even more why it's important to have that relationship with ourself and thus our relationship with God, because then it doesn't feel so effing lonely to do something that is for us because we can feel the like, the divine guidance. We can feel the like, okay, I'm supporting myself through this. I remember for a long time, like even telling my family, like, Hey, I need alone time because after I was living abroad and like traveling for like three years where I always had alone time. So then coming home, my family wanted to fall into old codependent, um, like tendencies, like, especially with my mom. And it took her like years for me to be like, mom, when I need alone time, it has nothing to do with you. <laughs> it's like taking it personal is, is a hard thing to overcome because I, I mean, and I'm saying that towards myself, not just her, of like realizing how many times we take things personal when it really isn't about us, whether we're respecting our own boundaries or respecting someone else's. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel that. Like I feel that with my partner when he is going through something or, you know, needs time to process or 
just isn't super outgoing and I'm like, oh, it's my fault. Like something's wrong and I did something and he's mad at me. And it's like, none of it is personal. And when you have that connection to like spirit, like when I'm strong in that, and that's kind of when I know when I need to tune in because it doesn't feel scary when someone else is going through it or needs to have their process. Like, cause I'm not alone. I know that there's something I can trust in. And I, I'm always, I'm always loved. Like I'm always with someone like protecting me, maybe not someone, but something depending on how you look at it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's amazing. Um, so now you have actual coaching programs for women that are feeling trapped with food, right? They're feeling like they're in a, for lack of a better word, like a slave cycle. Like, I don't know why that's coming to me where you feel like enslaved to it. And I say that with compassion. I haven't had that ex- exactly with food, but I have had that like slave cycle with like cigarettes, you know? So, mm-hmm. and I know that sometimes the underlying emotional things can be the same. Um, but what's some of the process that you do guide women through if they were to join, um, one of your programs? Yeah. So my program is called the food freedom blueprint and it's a one month program. So it's four weeks. And in those four weeks, we kind of build the four foundational, um, shifts that needs to happen in order for freedom to take place. So it's really like one-on-one laying the groundwork. We develop the skills of awareness. We develop the skills of feeling your feelings. We develop emotion processing and basically opening that dialogue with the inner child. So it's all inner, well, it's inner and outer, but definitely heavily on the inner work. And it's going to set you up with those practices, the actual tools and practices that you need to implement in your day-to-day life through freedom, through awareness, through presence, through developing that relationship with yourself. So it's four coaching sessions, four um, voice recordings that you get throughout the time, like customized weekly plans. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's really awesome. It's pretty, uh, it's been pretty cool to see people go through it and the shifts that they have. That's amazing. I love it. Cool. So what would you like to say to any final words? I mean, we're going to be wrapping up the podcast episode here in a minute. You know, what are you feeling called to give any type of love or anything else that you'd like to share with the audience um, before we wrap it up? Oh, what's on my heart is just like what I wish I could say to my past self, which is you deserve more it's not your fault. There is a way, like even if it feels like there's just 100% not a way, there is a way and you deserve that. And I just want you to know that, like the listener. (laughs) That's beautiful. Absolutely. Oh, Eden, thank you so much for joining us on Joyfully You podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So how can people get in contact with you? So you can follow me on Instagram. It's it's just mindbodyhaven. That's where I'm the most active. I make stories every day and I talk to my audience all the time. Um, And my website is mindbodyhaven.com. That's where you can see information about the Food Freedom Blueprint, the coaching program. Um, I'm enrolling people now. I have three spots open. We're going to start the beginning of May for that. 
Um, and I also have a freebie there. You can download, it's a video about manifesting the body of your dream. So if you want to dive in, getting started with, with, with this, check that out. Cool. And, and I'll have all yeah. those links in the show notes. So you guys can just click and go check it out say hi. Um, and I always like to encourage people, if you're listening to this right now and you're loving it, like take a screenshot on your cell phone right now, post it to your Instagram stories and tag us because we love being able to see who's listening. And it also helps us grow our mission of empowering other people. Um, so Eden, I want you to finish the sentence. Okay. Okay. Self love is presence. being present with yourself no matter what Mm, that's so good it reminds me of this affirmation that like I think it'll support me my entire life and ever since I heard it it was like branded into my heart (laughs) Um, is I'm willing to be with myself right now Mm. yes wow yeah exactly that is the essence of it I love it. Self-love is presence. Well, Eden, thank you so much for joining Joyfully You podcast on this episode today. Um, it's been it's been so great having this conversation with you. Yes, same here. Thanks so much for having me. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. I'm your host, Kelsey Lowe. We had Eden Thaler here with Mind Body Haven, and I hope you guys have an amazing day. If you love this episode, take a screenshot, send it to a friend that might that that might maybe needs to hear it um and we'll catch you on the next episode I hope you guys enjoyed this amazing episode with Eden. So before the episode started, we did a goddess card reading and just a little behind the scenes. Um, so I'm going to share that with you guys. Honestly, it was just really cute listening to it. I was like, you know what? Why not share this a little behind the scenes of what's been going on with us um, and a little goddess card reading. So if you want to hear a little behind the scenes, stay tuned. Yeah. So I haven't pulled a goddess card in a while, and I was feeling the call to start our interview off with a goddess card. Oh my god, love we need this. A little, we need a little guidance this morning or something. I don't know. I feel that in the ether today after that full moon. I was tossing and turning all night. And I, like the day before, I woke up at like, what was it, Monday night? I, or Monday, I woke up at 3 and went to bed at 3 a.m., like, basically Tuesday, because I was just wide awake. And it's so, like, it's not my style. I'm normally, like, an 8 to 10-hour sleeper. And so it was just so weird. And so, like, I have different affirmations that I use whenever I get scared about not having enough sleep, you know, because I'm like, oh, my God, there's a big day tomorrow. Oh, my God, I, why am I not able to sleep? And so I always tell myself whenever I have a little bit of that fear of, like, 
tonight I'm going to get the exact amount of sleep I need for tomorrow. And then when I wake up this morning, I was like, I got the exact amount of sleep I needed. Like, of course, the full moon is like messing with me. We're made of so much water. It can pull the tides. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Closure with relationships lately. It's been been really good, actually. I thought I was surprised. It was a Libra, so that makes sense. Right? The balancing out and like not compromising for things. And I was given a glaring opportunity to compromise things that I believe in. And I was like, nope. But like this force field that just kind of took over me that was like, yeah, that's not an alignment. And it wasn't even hard. Like there wasn't even a willpower to be like, oh, I want to say yes. It was just like, nope. Nope. That felt really mm. good. I didn't realize. Last- yeah, yeah. No, same though. Last night, I was feeling so fiery all day and like got into bed with my boyfriend and just started telling him, I was like, <laughs> I'm not standing for this. And like nothing in particular. I was just like, I'm tired of the roles, the expectations. <laughs> like I'm liberating myself. I just went on this tangent about like that fire just breaking free. So I don't know what was going on, but I was feeling it. That's awesome. <laughs> He's like, he's like, you're breaking free from me? <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, okay, babe. Like, he's like, all right, I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Pele, divine passion. Be honest with yourself. What's your true desire? Okay, guide us, Pele. If you listen to the sound of your heart and breath, you'll recognize the ancient rhythms of your own internal drumming. This forever connects you to the mother of all creation and to the sound of the planet Earth. These rhythms can't be faked or forged. They're natural and eternal. What part of you are you trying to ignore? What part of you has been overly concerned with pleasing others to the detriment of hearing the sound of your own rhythm? Dear child, reach out and extend your arms and embrace your dreams. They're just as much a part of nature as are the trees, animals, and sunsets. Don't don't your own dreams deserve the same respect that you accord everyone and everything that you love? Listen to them, my child. Listen to your dreams. They'll activate a powerful eruption of passion in your life. Don't be afraid of your own passion, for it'll propel you naturally and will excite and invigorate you. You will dance to the rhythms of your life. You are truly alive in all ways. Make sure your career matches your true interests. Take a class or start a hobby that excites you. Go on a wonderful trip. Invest time and money in manifesting your dreams. Give yourself permission to go for it. And make an honest assessment of how you spend your time. Wow. Alrighty then. Today we get to invigorate some of that passion. <laughs> I love that. Wow. So relevant. <laughs> I'm going to pull one more. Okay. Sorceress. Rhiannon. Uh, wow. You are a magical person who can manifest your clear intentions into reality. Oh, whoa. The book was already on it. Okay. Whoa. Um, a large part of my power stems from my connection to animals and nature. Oh my god, what was that? Give me a second. Okay. Oh. My gosh. Okay. I'm gonna deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm gonna deal with that later. It literally is like an entire box of pictures and all these things that just dumped upside down. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to what pictures are there when you pick it up. Like if there's anything, I don't know, like a message. <laughs> and there must be. I'm all I, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, okay, universe is like, you've decluttered a lot. But let's get all of it. <laughs> Dumps over the one box of photos and things I didn't go through. Okay, so if you've been indoors too long, you can recapture your personal power by simply stepping outside. This simple motion will do you a world of good in reawakening your sleeping magical spiritual nature. Allow the light of the sun, the moon, and the stars to stir ancient memories that may be dormant. Recall the times of your magical abilities and then put them into use immediately for the good of the entire planet. Resume the mission that was once aborted through the misdeeds of past time leaders. Take up your spiritual arms and move with swift speed into the night, awakening one and all to the magic of life itself. This is a mission that must be accomplished and you're the one who can help us with it. Have absolute faith that your dream is manifested. Make a clear decision and put your energy into manifesting your dreams. Know that you deserve to receive the good. When you win, others win too. <laughs> 